Thanks for tuning in to the Archive, brought to you by the Mail Tribune. I'm Alyssa Corman, and I'll be sharing the news with you from 100 years ago in the splendid city of Medford and Jackson County at large in 1918. This week, we've had some interesting happenings with booze and arrests. Hope you're prepared to tame that sweet tooth as our sugar laws have changed. And of course, I also have a couple of updates on our boys over there. Stay tuned for all this and more. It was learned today that all day Thursday and last night, an extra force of special deputy sheriffs was stationed up in the Siskiyous on the lookout for persons trying to smuggle liquor through from California. No violators were caught, chiefly because word was passed along the route to Hilt and Hornbrook that the deputies were on guard, and occupants of a number of motor cars threw away their bottles of booze before crossing the line into Oregon. Perhaps the young men in this next bit of news are the reason behind wanting those special sheriffs up on the Siskiyous. You remember the young men I told you about last week who were arrested in Ashland by Deputy Sheriff McDonald? Well, Kenneth Jerome, who was arrested with the young men caught bringing booze over the line from California last Tuesday night, had nothing to do with the purchase and drinking of the liquor. He was merely the driver of the taxi which the others had hired. Neither was Jerome put in jail with the others, but he was released on his own recognizance. Private L.R. Helms of this party was fined $50 in costs by Judge Taylor in the charge of having liquor in his possession. But because of certain extenuating circumstances, the sentence was suspended during good behavior. The cases of the others arrested are still pending. Looks like Kiner is off to face his fate. Deputy United States Marshal Pace arrived in the city from Portland last night and leaves this evening for the latter city with Robert Kindner, the well-known Griffin Creek rancher who was arrested last week on charges of seditious utterances, where he will be arraigned before the United States Commissioner. A local youth was lost in the Rabbit Ears woods. George Mansfield, a prospect and a student of the Medford High School, had a thrilling experience through being lost in the forest wilds up at Rabbit Ears, up on this side of the Umpqua Divide, from 2 p.m. last Saturday until 10 a.m. Sunday. Incidentally, he caused much anxiety to Forest Federal Supervisor Rankin and his crew of men who were fighting the forest fire at Rabbit Ears. Young Mansfield was a member of the firefighting crew and was sent back from the fire line at 2 p.m to take an axe to the cook at the camp headquarters some distance away. In some manner, he soon got off the trail and was lost. When night came and it was discovered that he had not returned up at camp, the firefighters began a search for him, which did not end until 10 a.m. Sunday. Mansfield was pretty well tired out with his wanderings and was glad to see his rescuers show up. He was only three miles from camp when he was found. A change has been ordered for eatery places. Those who operate such establishments will now need certificates to secure sugar. No two ways about it. 
A notice has been sent out to all public eating houses, restaurants, hotels, boarding houses, public or other refreshment houses, clubs, buffets, caterers, institutions, whether city, county, state, or federal, hospitals, and all similar eating places. It states, the owner of any of the aforementioned establishments will be required to obtain sugar on certificates procured from the Food Administration by filling out a statement. This class of consumers is allowed three pounds per month for each 90 meals served, whether for guests or employees. Notice to all users in this class that a statement of their requirements must be filed on or before July 15, 1918, and in the event of their failure to report by this state, sugar certificates will not be allotted them for the balance of the year. While individuals and families do not have to put in for certificates, it is still required to keep to the rule which says that three pounds of sugar per person is the absolute limit. Regarding the sugar situation, Chairman Folger of the Federal Food Administration asked that every family asks as a committee to see that not more than three pounds of sugar per month is used for each person. That is the limit that can be allowed. Even with this allowance, we may have a sugar shortage, which it is our earnest desire to avoid. The motto in canning must be to preserve the maximum amount of sugar. The restrictions have been determined upon only after taking stock of what we have in this country added to what we can hope to ship here from other countries. All cases of hoarding will be investigated if reported to the county administrator. Ladies, 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 pay close attention to what I'm about to tell you, because believe me, you're going to be awfully sore if you miss this. A fashion expert is expected at the MM store on Monday. A fashion expert, Miss Fanny Riggs from New York, will be in the pattern department at the MM store on Monday and will be at your service. The store says that they shall be pleased to have you call and consult her free of charge on manners pertaining to your sewing, your dresses, lingerie, coats, everything that you or any member of your family wears. Also, the McCall Book of Fashions is now on sale. Price is set at 25 cents and includes a free coupon good for 15 cents towards the purchase of any McCall pattern. The 1918 Roundup in Ashland caused some to act just as wild as the bucking Broncos they admired this week. Take for example the story of a Roundup Joy Party, which was rounded up by the police chief himself. Chief of Police Hitson broke up a Roundup Joy Ride Party at the home of Lowell Zundell on West 2nd Street late Saturday afternoon by placing the members of the party under arrest on a charge of disorderly conduct. Mr. Zundell was an innocent party to the affair and was not one of the merrymakers. It seems that the party, which had hired a taxi and driver for the day, at about 5 p.m. stopped at the Lowell house while Jarvis, the driver, went to the barn to stock up with gasoline and oil. The members of the party, three men and three women, 
then went to the house and asked Zondel if they might come inside and wait while the driver was stocking up. Zondel, who had just got up, having worked all night before, then went to the bathroom and continued his shaving. A short time later, neighbors phoned Chief Hitson that there was a disorderly party in the Zundel house. When the chief arrived, he found three women who gave their names as Christina Ritzinger, Jesse Decker, and Mrs. J. Turner, and claimed to hail from Ashland and Klamath Falls, and three men from Myrtle Creek who gave their names as Jay Bloddock, Sam Lankin, and James Johnson. All were in a jolly mood and were drinking beer, which they had brought from the car into the house. Chief Hitson also placed Jarvis and Zundell under arrest on the same charge. In police court, all they accused, except Zundell, pleaded guilty and were fined $10 in costs, which was paid at once. Later, Zundell, after a conference with City Attorney Mears and Chief Hitson, changed his plea to guilty and was fined $20. I am certainly the all-around goat in this matter, said Zundell this noon. The first thing he did this morning was to discharge Jarvis the taxi driver. Motoring visitors will be well pleased with the roads out to the Rogue River Valley's crowning jewel this summer. This week, I received word that the Crater Lake Road is to be sprinkled at Flounce Rock. It will be welcome news to Crater Lake tourists and visitors that the county court yesterday decided to make several badly needed improvements on the Crater Lake Road, which will make travel back and forth much more pleasant. These improvements will be conducted to increase travel between Medford and the lake and were desired by the businessmen. The court will have the road between Evergreen Ranch at Flounce Rock, which is about six miles this side of Prospect, and Prospect dragged and will install a sprinkler to keep it wet down. A crew will also be set to work at removing the rocks from the road in the vicinity of Union Creek and to level and fill up the bumps between Whiskey Creek and Silver Camp. Park Commissioner Will G. Steele reports that up to Saturday, Crater Lake travel averaged about the same as last year, although the park was open earlier. A total of 919 persons had registered, as against 879 on the same date a year ago, and 213 autos against 178 in 1917. And now, dear friends, I have a sad bit of news to impart. One of our beloved boys, Ernest Adams, was killed in flight on an English field. News was received on Monday today through a wire from J.J. Adams of Evanston, Illinois, which brings the casualties of war home to citizens of this valley as perhaps nothing heretofore has done. The message came to W.M. Holmes and reads as follows. Just received official report from Washington of the death of Ernest by aeroplane accident June 26, 1918. Ernest J. Adams had resided in this valley about 10 years and was one of our most respected orchardists. He had assumed care of his parents' orchard on Griffin Creek which he handled in connection with the adjoining tract owned by himself and his brother, Clarence Adams, salesman for the Goodrich Rubber Company of Akron, Ohio. 
knowing full well the hazard connected with aviation. When he found that he was gifted with the sense of equilibrium so essential to success in the air, he abandoned the idea of shop work, which actuated him when enlisting and immediately after arriving in England, began preliminary training for overhead work. A letter received in the Valley only yesterday states how well he was progressing towards the finishing school in aircraft. Of all the young men who have gone to the front from the Rogue River Valley, there was none of greater capacity for effective work and none governed by higher motives than Ernest Adams. While we must mourn at the loss of such a brave young man who gave everything for his country and the freedoms of our allies, we must push ever onwards and give our support to all our Sammies, they who are still over the top with patriotic exuberance. Take for example the Marines, who entertained the crowd at the depot this week. During the war, many novel entertainment stunts have been put up at the Southern Pacific Depot by soldiers, sailors, and recruits during train stops. But the most enjoyable one up to date was that of this morning, staged by two coachloads of fine-looking, athletic, and lively Marines who were en route from Mare Island to the Bremerton Navy Yard. The hundred or more boys, who were dressed in their drill uniforms, after tiring of scuffling and boxing, decided to hold an impromptu concert. Four of their number, armed with a violin, a saxophone, an accordion, and a ukulele, mounted a baggage truck and struck up the Marines hymn. The others gathered around and sang the pretty song with much feeling until train time was called. Well then folks, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Remember, these news stories have been brought to you by the Mail Tribune, a weekly series featuring news items that were drawn from the archives of the Mail Tribune from 100 years ago. You can find more stories like this in the Mail Tribune 100 column in the newspaper or online at mailtribune.com. We also have a full carload of other podcasts on a wide variety of topics. Believe me, you'll absolutely want to check them out. And be sure to follow us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and YouTube. If you like this podcast or have something you'd like to share with me, let me know in the comments or on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Have a swell day and check back next week for more stories from the archive.